Today on the Free Willed and Fired Up podcast, we're going to discuss dissatisfaction in sin and in the world, but contentment and satisfaction found only in God. Our culture is all about excess. If there's money to be made, make as much of it as you can. If there's fun to be had, have as much of it as you can. If you're good at something, then don't stop until you're the best in the world. If anything is denied to you, then strive with everything you have to get as much of that thing as is humanly possible. Now, the issue isn't in having goals or aspirations, nor is success necessarily the issue either. The issue comes in when we have the wrong motivations and when we make an idol of ourselves and our aspirations before God that denies Him a relationship with us and ignores his rightful place with us. No, the issue comes when we dedicate so much of our minds, hearts, and bodies to trying to attain as much from the world as is humanly possible in giving God not only less time, less attention, less passion, and less care, but giving God nothing at all. A consumer-driven economy that is reliant upon freedom and individuality is good. It's far more moral than any economy or government that doesn't recognize such God-given rights of man. But without being tempered by morality, community, and spiritual dedication, that drive for material things ends up becoming our reason for living, the reason for our relationships, the reason for our work in society, how we define ourselves and our worth, how we form our character, and where we put our true faith. We've become a society that has stopped looking to God for how and by what standard we should be content with our lives, uh, those around us, and the things that we possess. We look to our televisions, we look to Instagram, we look to billboards, we look to movies, we look to celebrities, we look to musicians, and we let all of them tell us what success looks like, and we let them tell us when we should feel content or satisfied with ourselves. It's no surprise that in doing so, we become one of the most, quote-unquote, prosperous, but also one of the most unhappy, unfulfilled, dissatisfied, immoral, abusive, ignorant, addicted, and depressed civilizations to have ever existed on this entire earth. God has told us exactly where real satisfaction and contentment comes from. God. In Ecclesiastes 2.24, it says... Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Where was this contentment with uh, whatever food, drink, and labor you partake in coming from? All right, where is it coming from? Where was this contentment coming from? From whose hand? It came from God's. From the hand of God and only God, man may find joy, and in doing good, honest work, and appreciating the good, apportion food and drink, find peace and contentment. Logic then compels one to then conclude that that which we eat and drink without God will not truly satisfy, and the labor we do without God will not be done in joy. Without God, it's just not going to happen. Contentment with life and what you have will constantly evade you. We've all been there, where we wake up and we don't want to go to work. When we're at work and we despise what we're doing, 
We just want to go home or anywhere else other than work. There's absolutely zero joy. There might be a, a numb kind of mental acceptance of what is. Our eyes are, are typically dead and our expression is gaunt. We walk sluggishly. We slump over when we try to sit up or walk. We are miserable inside and out. And I can with almost absolute assurance guarantee that when your day is going like this or feeling like this, you haven't thought of God or considered God in the slightest. You're not going to work rooted in the assurance, purpose, dedication, and sense of selflessness that God grants you. Why? Because you're expecting to be satisfied without God. You're expecting the world or the things in it to make life and your job worth it. You won't get that from the world. Go to God. Approach yourself, your life, your job, and your relationships from a godly and humble place guided by the Holy Spirit. I can tell you personally that some of my best days aren't necessarily the days that go right, but are the days where I am satisfied, content, and at peace with my situation. The world would say that that is a ridiculous and nonsensical statement. By its standards, those cannot be the best days because plenty of bad things happened. Well, that's because the outlook, standards, and judgment of the world isn't based on moral and spiritual success but rather material success. God's standards are purely moral and spiritual. Those who are most content with their jobs are those who learn to see it and appreciate it for the good things that they can do with their day for others rather than what the day can give to them. This selfless and giving nature is a fruit of the Spirit and is granted to us from the hand of God written on our hearts, which we in the faith choose to respond to and uphold dutifully. Philippians 4, 11-13 says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. True and real contentment through God comes from being able to be satisfied and at peace whether times are good or bad. To trust that God with strength will strengthen you when you are troubled by something ungodly. To trust that God will ensure the fulfillment of that done by you by His will and purpose. To not deny that times can be difficult or easy, but to remain unaffected or dismayed by it, but to face that with victorious assurance and humble submission. If you are only quote-unquote content when times are good, then you don't know what real contentment and satisfaction is. The struggles of, jo of Job right, teach us this plainly. If we are truly in God, relying on God as we should, trusting in God as we must, then regardless of how good or bad our situation is, we should be equally unwavering in our appreciation and thankfulness for what we have or not. Do so, and rewards will come to you then, largely in ways that don't account to much here in this world according to what it counts as blessings, but will be shown to us to make us rich in heaven. Matthew 6.33 reads, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. 
simply stated, if you don't approach things motivated and guided by God, then don't be surprised when they don't work out for you. Do so from a place of godly righteousness and peace, and that satisfaction you were looking for will be given to you. Even if you don't succeed by the world's standards. This doesn't mean that those without God can't experience worldly success, but worldly success isn't what leads to true contentment, satisfaction, and peace. So don't be dismayed when awful people appear to be rewarded while you suffer for doing what is right, fair, and honorable. Success by the world's standards shouldn't matter. The only thing that matters is God's standard and method of success. The rewards you get either here on earth or later in heaven will ultimately far outweigh and outshine anything the godless and the worldly achieve. And the temporary quote-unquote successes of the godless before you will eventually go away and their future failure will be for an eternity. God's patience and common grace towards sinners shouldn't dismay believers about the justness of God, the judgment that will befall those who deny God, and the reward of those who trust God and walk by faith in Christ. Hebrews 13.5 reads, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Don't covet that which you don't have. A covetous heart is one that is incapable of being satiated or satisfied. There will always be another thing that someone else has that you will want for a moment. Your sin tells you that you can't live without it, but your conscience compels you to stop and consider your motivations and desires. The world is never content with itself because there is always some newly contrived and fleeting want but followers of Christ are supposed to be set apart from such outlooks and to be wholly content with attaining uh, on that which they need. And who determines what we need? God. Too many people think that categorizing wants as needs will somehow trick God into giving them what they want because they think they need it. Don't try to pull a fast one on God. You don't determine what you truly need. Society doesn't determine what you truly need. Only the creator and sustainer of all knows what the creation needs to be sustained. All we as human beings should strive to do is to look to God so that we can be holy in our conduct and to trust that God will provide whatever necessities or comforts are needed to help us persevere in our faith and to be a worthy and prepared means of spreading his word to the world, calling sinners to repentance, strengthening each other in Christ, to be a holy example apart from the world. Hand your business as a child of God. All right, handle it. Handle it well. God will handle his business as a loving, chastising, and empowering father of all creation. Handle what you can and let God handle what he will. Be a child of God. Focus on being a child of God and that contentment will find you. God will ensure of it. Don't even focus on what you think you need. Focus on being a child of God, and God will provide you with what you need, even that which you need, which you don't even know or think that you need. He will give it to you. Psalm 65.4 reads, Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and of your holy temple. 
Blessed are we to have approached by to be approached by God and who have accepted his call to us. Blessed are we who freely chose to have God and the Holy Spirit dwelling with us every day. Blessed are we who find satisfaction in trusting in the Lord. Accursed is the one who is approached and rejects your call. Accursed is the one who does not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside. Accursed are we who distrust God and then find no satisfaction. 1 Timothy 6, 6 reads, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We should be content to leave this world with what we came into it with, nothing. Why toil, fight, and sin to possess things that don't ultimately matter and that won't be going with us where we're going? And since we came into the world with nothing, and we'll leave it with nothing, then why not live life grateful for anything and everything that you do have, for a time here at least on earth? Greed and envy cause us to forget this basic fact about life and our existence. God tells us to be thankful for our beat-up car. Greed and envy tells us we shouldn't be satisfied unless we have a brand new Mercedes. Lo and behold, we get that Mercedes even though we can't really afford it, and now we have to cope with the untenable stress that we put on ourselves in to fulfill our flesh. And how do we tend to cope with the consequences of our sin? With more sin, which we are then told to pursue even more sin when that quote-unquote solution doesn't work. We listen to the world instead of God with how to escape our dissatisfaction, ill content with what we have and with ourselves. The world as it is in its fallen state is wicked and is against all things holy and beneficial to a righteous person trying to live as God commands. Matthew 5, 6 reads, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Quite simple. How do you get blessed? How do you get filled or satisfied? Desire to be righteous before God through Christ. There is no other option. And since there is no other way stated to be blessed and to be content, then that means anything and everything else will not result in being blessed by God or filled with content and actual satisfaction. You want to start feeling better about your life? Be holy. Stressed out from all your issues? Focus on God instead of yourself or your circumstance. Want to stop feeling envious inside over what you don't or can't have? Listen to God and try being thankful for what you do have. Until you can learn to properly appreciate what you do have, you have no business trying to waste your time pursuing what you think you want. Romans 5.13 reads, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who or what fills you with hope, joy, and peace? Do your possessions do that? Does your sin do that? Do you do that? No, no, and no. God is the filler. He is the bringer, the creator, and the deliverer of the essence of satisfaction, contentment, and joy in life. God offers in. 
we have a choice to accept it or not. Don't think God is the source of all true satisfaction. Well, guess what? You won't be satisfied. You're turning down the free gift of contentment because you don't think God is worthy enough to be the sole creator and deliverer of it. You're too prideful and worldly. You deny simple truths about God, his nature, his relationship with us, and our state before him. It's foolishness. Godless, rebellious fools rightfully don't get rewarded with contentment. Why? Because your very being is oriented to only find true contentment in God, whom we are the image bearers of. And you're trying to deny this in the face of self-evident facts that can only be denied in willful ignorance. Rejection of God, whether out of ignorance or whatever other reason, regardless, it is an affront to the gift of contentment from God, and so it is withheld from you. And God has told us exactly how dissatisfying and ill-contented we are without Him. Ecclesiastes 5.10 he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance will increase. This also is vanity. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot hold God and money in equal regard. If you live life to be satisfied on how big your bank account is, God is telling you it never will give you the fulfillment you think it will provide. You're trying to have money fill a hole in you that only God can. And those who never have a reasonable limit in mind, never have an achievable point where they will say that they have done or acquired enough, they will never be satisfied and never know peace and contentment in this world. I can help but think of a couple movie characters. Uh, the first one is uh, from Scarface when, when Tony says to Manny, me, I want what's coming to me. All right, and Manny says back to him, yeah, well, what's coming to you, Tony? And, and then Tony's final response is, the world, Chico, and everything in it. And he smiles with glee and pride back at him. All poor Manny can do is despairingly reply, oh, man. Yeah, old man is right. Because even he knows that Tony is never going to be satisfied and that Tony is likely going to drag him through all kinds of bad situations and consequences along the way of this plan of vanity, sin, and corruption. Right, the next character is from High School Musical 2, where you got Sharpay, where she's singing her little song called Fabulous. And one of the last lines she sings is, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Fabulous. Okay, you know how it goes. And then shortly after, she despairingly screams as she falls into the pool and has her pride and vanity immediately shattered and replaced with humiliation and shame. Just as God said, those who were never satisfied and only strive to have more who are always saying, I need, I need, always desiring to have the next best thing, to have only that which is quote-unquote fabulous, to never be satisfied with what you have, to never see how quote-unquote fabulous the things and people that they already have around them are, they will never be given the gift of contentment and satisfaction in life. Worse yet, they are promised consequences and eventual destruction. Falling into a pool may be a bit childlike and humorous, but real-life falls are rarely so lighthearted. Ezekiel 16, 28-29 reads, You also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. Moreover, you multiplied your acts of harlotry as far as the land of the traitor. Chaldea and even then... 
you are not satisfied. We strive for contentment, but in all the wrong ways. We say we are Christian and appeal to God for our satisfaction in life, but we don't really. We still go by what the world says. And in our ignorance, we think we're not blessed with contentment because God can't get the job done or isn't willing to give it to his people. Little do we care to acknowledge that we didn't really trust in God and therefore weren't contented by God. Little do we care to acknowledge that we trusted in the world and got exactly what God says the world will bring us. Diddly. Worse than that, actually. Pain, suffering, ne- never-ending hunger and thirst, like what I got right now in my throat. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 2.11 reads, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. When we consider the meaning or use of profit or profiting, we often go straight to the worldly, material sense of the word. Does this make me money? Does this make me any richer? Or really, should we be considering profiting uh, from a spiritual and godly sense of the word first and foremost instead? Does this bring me closer to God is what we should be asking. Does Does this help me in my walk with Christ? Does this better prepare my heart, soul, and mind for the purposes God has for me on earth and in heaven? That's what we should be asking. As God's word states, any work that isn't rooted in and directed towards God is pointless and will lead to nothing. Even if you are someone who thinks they can be satisfied and content with this much money or with these kinds of things or this kind of lifestyle, if you try to accomplish any of this apart from God, you'll never be satisfied with it. You may very well reach your worldly goals, but you won't get that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction when you do. Deep down, you'll realize that you were misguided somehow. And again, just look at celebrities who toil for years to become rich, famous, powerful, and when they reach it, the luster and shine of that pursuit fades away, and the lack of fulfillment rusts away at their joy, peace, and supposed contentment. Eventually, as stated before, When we approach satisfaction through sin, often we cope with the reality that we have messed up and forgetting God by trying to fill that hunger and thirst in our soul with more sin as we vainly try to fill, to find fulfillment anywhere else rooted in the world instead of in the one true source of it, God. Countless celebrities like Pharaoh have likely been held up by God to prove this reality to us all. That if we strive for the supposed better things in life without God. We might even get our 15 minutes of fame from the world, but we end up with nothing at the end. And rightly so. Haggai 1, 5-6 says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. No other passage, I think, better expresses the uncomfortable frustration and feeling and lack of fulfillment and depression that one truly experiences when they realize that everything they've done and everything they own can't satisfy them, and that everything they have that gives them temporary pleasure is quickly emptying out any sense of joy in it, like the coins falling from a bag with a giant hole in it, 
where every quick and proud step results in more and more coins falling out until by the time you get home and you look in the bag and you just see that it's empty, that there's nothing there. Proverbs 27.20 reads, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The fallen state that we are in, our fallen desires, our vain pursuits, our greed and envy, they are not of God or of his kingdom. They are of the devil. Those who practice sin and are apart from God are the children of the devil and are being raised and trained up for their future home in hell. Just as God wants his people to be trained up and prepared for all that heaven brings and all that they will need to do there, did it ever cross your mind that Satan wants the same thing for his children who are going to be in hell? Let me tell you something. Human beings, without the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, are far more prepared to be successful in hell and all that that will bring to us than we are ready to be of service for a single minute to God in heaven. And just as Satan roams about like a hungry lion that is never satisfied, so too do sinners prowl about never seeking fulfillment and peace, yet rebelling in sin and destruction of others. Our eyes are never satisfied because the eyes of those in and of hell are never satisfied. Now, all right, all right, I think we've seen and discussed enough passages from the Word of God to prove my point about satisfaction and contentment. So let me leave you now with a few parting thoughts. And yet, either out of ignorance of the Word or God or out of rejection of the Word of God, most people don't listen to Him and rebel against His suggestions and commands, thinking they know better than our Creator what will fulfill us. The fact that our civilization has entered into a state of nearly absolute spiritual, moral, and physical anarchy within the span of a couple generations with little regard or care, but oddly much celebration, is a testament to God's judgment of our sin and of the absolute stupidity of a sinful and foolish humanity that is so drunk on its transgressions, so high on its vanities, so strung out on its perversions that it doesn't recognize when God is about to destroy them. We're merely surviving on the dwindling fumes of the remnants of the contributions of God's people without any inclination that perhaps if not for them and for God's common grace and blessings, which can be removed from a nation at any time, that their offenses and crimes against God would have ended this civilization long ago, partly by God's wrath, but mostly by its own self-destructive actions. We keep thinking that chasing that materialistic, godless dream of worldly success is worth dedicating our lives to because people bought and sold, slaves to sin and to demons have faked a smile or smile out of the false bliss of willful ignorance for money and a pat on the back from the world and they told us convincingly so that it's all fine for us to do the same. And yet we never really seem to notice that those celebrity, that those faces don't last too long. Those happy faces, they don't last too long. That faster and faster those idols disappear from view and a new round of fresh idols for sinful worship are given the spotlight. You ever wonder why? You know why. Because those who become, right, and those who became the best of the best and had it all, according to the world standards, found out that they had spent their whole life dedicating themselves to something that would never bring satisfaction, never bring fulfillment, and never bring contentment. 
You'll never see a happier person on the TV than a young, fresh-faced celebrity who just sold their lives to entertainment execs for fortune and fame. And you'll never see a more depressed, regretful, and sad person than that same celebrity some years later who has tried, used up, and lost everything and everyone with nothing to show for it. Eventually, that Pied Piper, the devil, comes to collect his due. And when that day comes and that bill for your, for your soul needs to be paid, you better hope. You better hope that you've made yourself right with God and started making your life and purpose right with Him. If not, don't expect a half-hearted plea to a God you've rejected all your life until it was too late to amount to much. Don't expect it to amount to much. He pleaded day and night, all the days of your life for you to be content, satisfied, and at peace in Him. But you gave your everything to idols, only reserving your sneers, your detestations, and your curses for Him. And on that day, you are going to be judged for it, as we all will be judged for it. I don't desire, just like God doesn't desire, that anyone should be dissatisfied and without contentment in this world, but one cannot do the exact opposite of what God says will bring satisfaction and think that it will. God didn't say that you could find true and lasting satisfaction and contentment anywhere else other than in Him. Never said it. Because there isn't any other way. He didn't design us that way. He designed us to be the image bearers of Him first and foremost. No one else, nothing else. He designed us to be in relationship with Him first and foremost. Okay, again, no one else and nothing else, only Him. He designed us to need Him first and foremost. No one else and nothing else. So because I care for the well-being of my fellow creatures, do I call them to stop irrationally pursuing that which doesn't work and multiplies dissatisfaction and physical, emotional, and spiritual famine? Do what common sense and your conscience compels you to do. Try God. Honestly and sincerely try God. Die to your worldly, fleshly, sinful desires and dedicate your will, your mind, your heart, and your soul to God. Ask for what God deems acceptable, and it shall be given. Respect God's sovereign will and purpose and be blessed. Consider not what the world says you should desire and to never be satisfied with less, but instead look around and be thankful for all that you already have. And to be satisfied with what the Lord gives you in time, by His means, and by His plan for you and for the world. Truly believe and have faith that God will provide what you really need for His purposes with you. Nothing more, nothing less. But first, you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. To repent and to ask for God to give you a new heart, mind, and desire. To denounce, deny, and put down the old self. Take it from someone who has already made the leap of faith and seen the results of the other side. God doesn't disappoint. God keeps His promises. God takes care of His people. The temporary discomfort of dying to your sin will fade away into a, but a mere distant memory once you let the Holy Spirit do what it must within you to fix what sin has distorted and to give you peace contentment, and satisfaction beyond what you thought was even possible without Him. 
take that leap. And I, along with Christ and millions of, of, or if not billions of others, will be here on the other side waiting to welcome you. Know that our contentment and satisfaction is not an illusion or a lie. We're not deluding ourselves. Rather, see with new eyes that anything or anyone claiming to give you peace that isn't God is sorely mistaken and will be judged for their sin. You'll be surprised how easy it is to see this world for what it is to see human beings as we are, along with the desires of our hearts. You'll wonder how you ever thought that seeking fulfillment in the things you used to do would actually work. Like looking back at old photographs of yourself from years past, doing something uh, as a kid that seemed just absolutely ridiculous to you now. The person you'll see in those old social media posts will be gone. The change will happen in you so suddenly that nobody, not yourself, nor those close to you, will be able to explain it away by anything other than a mental breakdown or God. Now, you didn't have a mental breakdown. You were born again through faith in Christ, repentance to God, and commitment to a leap of faith and trust in the Holy Spirit to take the old marred clay that was the old you and to make you reborn anew as a holy and righteous creation in your new self in Christ. You will face more challenges and trials than you have ever known. Your walk in this fallen world and your temporary station with the ungodly will be the most uncomfortable feeling of alienation and you will be despised for the holy thoughts, words, and actions that you make and do according to the word of God. But, but, here's the important part, but, get ready for this. Where the old you would have undeniably been overcome and left in torment and despair, in Christ you will have victorious and conquering contentment, peace, fulfillment, and satisfaction which no worldly or ungodly attack could ever overcome or destroy in you. The lower the world tries to bring you, the higher God, so long as you are in Him, will respond by making you soar in His name. You may not succeed by the world's standards, but those are frivolous, vain, lacking, and ridiculous outright. You won't care about living up to them anymore. You'll be content in living by and fulfilling in Christ the standard of God. Now, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Free Willed and Fired Up podcast. If you'd like to see myself or Pastor Randy in person, then please come join us at Rejoice Fellowship Baptist Church in Aiken, South Carolina, every Sunday at 1030 a.m. We'd love to have you. Feel free to like and follow our Facebook page, and be sure to send in your comments on how we can improve your podcast experience with us. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.